0: This is CPX number 63. What is baptism of desire? We are in the Catechism of Pope St. Pius X, CPX, page 65 to 66. Question and answer number 16 to 20. God give you his peace. In nomine patris spiritu santi, amen. Heavenly King, Consoler Spirit, Spirit of Truth, who art present everywhere and filling all things, treasure of all good and source of all life, come dwell on us, cleanse us and save us, you who are all good, amen. In nomine spiritu santi, amen. Question number 16, is baptism necessary to salvation? Answer, baptism is absolutely necessary to salvation, for our Lord has expressly said, unless a man be born again of water and the Holy Ghost, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Question number 17, can the absence of baptism be supplied in any other way? Answer, the absence of baptism can be supplied by martyrdom, which is called baptism of blood, or by an act of perfect love of God, or of contrition along with the desire at least implicit of baptism, and this is called baptism of desire. Number 18, to what is the person baptized bound? Answer, the person baptized is bound to always profess the faith and observe the law of Jesus Christ and of his church. Number 19, in receiving holy baptism, what do we renounce? Answer, in receiving holy baptism, we renounce forever the devil, his works, and his pomps. Number 20, what is meant by the works and pomps of the devil? By the works and pomps of the devil, we mean sin and the maxims of the world that are contrary to the maxims of the gospel. Thus are the words of the Holy Pope. The last CPX, I showed you a picture of my hand that was all bandaged up. I also mentioned that I got a hole in my habit while taking some kids' challenge to take a race at the abortion center. Probably a good lesson not to goof around at the abortion center. Let's watch that in slow motion again. So a real quick schedule for the average week in the future for me is going to be Monday, Video Lectio Divina, that's VLX here on YouTube or your podcast app. Tuesday, Theology Blog at PadrePeregrino.org. Wednesday, Catechism of Pope St. Pius X, that is CPX here on YouTube or your podcast app. Thursday, Theology Blog at Padre Peregrino, also Pilgrim Priest you can search for. Friday, I'm going to start a new video series still at the same channel here, Padre Peregrino, It's going to be called Theology and Current Events. That's TCE. And that's going to be issues on reform of the state and reform of the church. That's only if I have time. And then also if I have time on Saturday, I'll do a little life update that is under the pull down blog section called life. If you like this series, please share on YouTube or rate on your podcast app. So the question today is, is there any other way besides water baptism to be saved? The answer is yes, but what we're going to talk about today are the exceptions to the rule, not this modernist legal loophole idea of seeing water baptism as, say, the numerical exception across the globe as to basically how everybody's saved by just having a few good emotions to God on their deathbed. As you know in this series by now, that is not the Catholic faith. The Catholic faith does allow to two things besides water baptism to bring you to salvation, but it's a very narrow two categories, so listen closely. The first is baptism by blood. This is when martyrs were killed for Jesus, especially in the early church, before they had a chance to be baptized by water. Obviously, these martyrs who died for Jesus before baptism went to heaven. The second of these two categories is called baptism of desire, and we're going to talk about that today because there's a lot of misunderstanding. Baptism of desire does not include a desire by baptism by water explicitly always, but on rare occasions could include pagans having what's called implicit desire of baptism who didn't know about baptism by water. But this has been expanded way too far by the modernists, so why don't we look to see what St. Thomas Aquinas really meant by that? You see, it's a little bit more than just following your conscience. So today we're going to look at number 17 especially. So let me read that to you before we jump into St. Thomas Aquinas. This is again Pope St. Pius X, number 17. Can the absence of baptism be supplied in any other way? Answer, the absence of baptism can be supplied by martyrdom, which is called baptism of blood, or by an act of perfect love of God or of contrition along with the desire, at least implicit, of baptism. And this is called baptism of desire. So let's hear what St. Thomas Aquinas has to say about this quote, No man obtains eternal life unless he be free from all guilt and debt of punishment. Now this plenary absolution is given when a man receives baptism or suffers martyrdom, for which reason it is stated that martyrdom contains all the sacramental virtue of baptism, that is, as to the full deliverance from guilt and punishment. Suppose, therefore, a catechumen to have the baptism of desire, else he could not be said to die in his good works, which cannot be without faith that worketh by charity, such a one, were he to die, would not forthwith come to eternal life, but would suffer punishment for his past sins, but he himself shall be saved as yet by fire, as stated in 1 Corinthians 3.15. That's the Summa Theologica third part under question 68. So that was St. Thomas Aquinas speaking of a baptism by blood. He's talking about martyrs. But today's main topic, again, the topic that a lot of people get wrong is implicit baptism. Now, there are a few traditionalists who are quite a bit to the far of the right of St. Thomas Aquinas on this. Uh, So it's good to listen that I really believe St. Thomas Aquinas uh, corrects 99% of the Catholics to the left of him today, but 1% to the right. Hate to use the term left and right, but that's the way people see things nowadays. Okay, this is the second part of the second part under question number two in the Summa Theologica Quote. If, however, some were saved without receiving any revelation, they were not saved without faith in a mediator. For though they did not believe in him explicitly, they did nevertheless have implicit faith through believing in divine providence, since they believed that God would deliver mankind in whatever way was pleasing to him. And according to the revelation of the Spirit to those who knew the truth, as stated in Job 35.11, who teacheth us more than the beasts of the earth," End quote. that was St. Thomas Aquinas in the second part of the second part of the Summa Theologica. So that means that a pagan who didn't hear of Christ would have to have a lack of belief in himself so to speak, in knowing that he needs a deliverer and much trust in God, that St. Thomas Aquinas there says as a belief in divine providence. So a belief in a deliverer of mankind and a belief in divine providence. And my interpretation of that is a lack of trust in yourself, knowing that mankind needs a deliverer, even if you were a pagan who never heard of Christ, and a great trust in divine providence. That's what the pagan would need at the very minimum. But we're going to see a little bit more specifically what this means by delving into this. Now, St. Catherine of Genoa said, a last act of love is done by God without any help from man. That ties into this modern idea that Everyone is given an act of perfect contrition or a gift of perfect contrition that they can make at the end. Now, I actually do believe in that. You might be surprised at that. I do believe in that, but the reason it's gonna be harder or more rare than we realize is just gonna be the practical side that I'm gonna highlight a little bit later in the CPX. But let me read you that line from St. Catherine of Genoa, and I actually do believe in it. I, I believe God wants us all in heaven, so I'm not looking for reasons for us to be out. I want us all in heaven. And so does God, or I should say, I line up with God in wanting everybody in heaven. So listen to that line. A last act of love is done by God without help from man. But we're going to see why modernist Catholics misunderstand that. So I believe what that means is that God may, in fact, give a last-minute grace of perfect contrition to every person dying, Christian or not. And, as we know, you can go to heaven, or at least purgatory, through an act of perfect contrition, even without baptism or confession on rare occasions but the question therefore we have to ask is how hard is it to be such a good pagan who wants if not supernatural goods at least naturally good things i have a friend who is a priest who used to teach at saint mary's college in kansas and one of the opening classes he would give to the undergrads of men and women is he would talk about a tribe of native americans in the northwest of the united states and when the missionaries got there there was all these women walking around without noses And the Jesuit missionaries asked, well, why are the women without noses? And the tribe leaders explained when their wives make them mad, they can just cut their noses off. Um, And so my priest friend who taught at St. Mary's explained, this is the real look of original sin in the world before Christianity gets there. You know, all these people who want to go back to the noble savage and who want feminism reinstituted as if, you know, world religions besides Christianity gave women any rights. This is the status quo of most of the world. Things really are that bad before Christ and his missionaries arrive in a place. Now, you do have a few exceptions to the rule. There is another tribe in the northwest part of the United States that only had one wife, um, had an understanding there was only one God. Now, they didn't know this was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There was a tribe in the northwest part of the United States that understood that um, there was only one God, and they only had one wife and stuff. Well, when the Jesuit missionaries arrived, they all became Catholics very, very fast, you could almost say the the rails were greased for Catholicism to come into their hearts because they were living natural goodness. But that's, that's very, very rare. Now, there are people who like to call conservatives racist in us telling such accounts saying, oh, that's just your idea that white man saves brown man. Well, no, there was cannibalism in Europe before the apostles arrived there. So that's, if this is Palestinians arriving there, then that's brown man saving white man, to use their blunt terms. The fact is that every continent has cannibalism before Christ and the Catholic Church arrives, no matter where you are. China, Czechoslovakia, modern-day Montana, that is the state of the world in original sin, is people are eating each other before Christ and the Catholic Church arrives. It's not an exaggeration. And that's why we have to see it's very, very hard to even wish for not only supernatural goods, but even natural goods, considering what a dark world we live in. I'm very, very Augustinian in my belief in original sin. And this is why I believe Christ isn't a light of the world, but the only light of the world. And why we have to go to all nations, preaching the gospel and baptizing everybody in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. You know, I'm tempted to say that Christianity is the only world religion that gave women any rights, but it's even quite a bit more than that. Christianity is the only world religion that even treats women as humans. If you look at how Muhammad's first wife that he took was six years old. Yes, you heard that right, six years old. If you look at, again, the tribe in Northwest United States in Montana, if the wife made the husband man, he can just cut her nose off. Before Christ and his apostolic faith of Catholicism arrived, Women were treated as cattle anywhere. So the people who teach, we have to go back to the noble savage before white man showed up with his feminism, they know nothing. They know nothing of the fact that Catholicism is the one world religion that gave women and children any rights, much less absolute full and equal rights before God as daughters of God equal to the sons of God. Now that doesn't deny the fact there's different roles. That's why women will never be priests. But Um, equal in dignity, even if there's different roles in the family. You're only going to find that in Catholicism. Let's look at that quote again. A last act of love is done by God without any help from man. So if that means everyone is given a last-minute grace of perfect contrition that they can either accept or deny before cardiac arrest, that is great news, and I do believe that. But here's where the catch comes in that nobody talks about this who likes to look at that loophole. And it's a valid loophole, so I don't mean to rip on that. Um, but here's the question we have to ask. Would most people accept it? Okay, let's use your imagination for a minute. Think of your favorite or more likely your most non-favorite Catholic politician. Think of a Catholic politician who's pro-abortion. I'm not thinking of just one person because I can think of a few pro-abortion Catholic politicians, so don't just think I'm talking about one. Now, picture this person is on that person's deathbed in five years, okay? Now, Remember, you don't get a chance to repent after death. But what if it's true, as St. Catherine of Genoa says, a last act of love is done by God without help from man. Again, I believe that's true, but here is why we shouldn't bank on it. What if God gives each person a grace to receive perfect contrition, say, once a day, his whole life? Okay, now, think of your favorite Catholic politician, or your most unfavorite Catholic politician again, Let's say that pro-abortion Catholic politician, picture that person at 15. This person commits his or her first mortal sin at age 15. Well, now let's pretend God gave that person a grace to accept, this person's not going to accept it, but the grace to accept perfect contrition every day until he or she turns 80. Let's say this person starts to die at the age of 80. Well, if at age 80, God gives that person on his or her deathbed a gift of perfect contrition, Do you think that person's going to accept that after rejecting 23,725 gifts from God to make an act of perfect contrition while living on earth? And that's the number I came up with. Because 365 times 65 years, remember from age 15, the first mortal sin, 65 years times 365 days, and we're saying... And this is just my suspicion. I have no theological proof of this. Let's say God gives everybody the gift of perfect contrition that we can either receive or reject every day of our life, especially if we're living in mortal sin. That comes to 23,725 in 65 years. So, do you think the 24,726th time that call to perfect contrition will be answered? Of course not. It will be rejected like all of the rest. You see, so that is my personal belief. I don't have all those numbers in the Church Fathers, but this is just how I pictured having seen people die. That's why we need to return to see that when we say baptism and confession are the ordinary way of salvation, ordinary might very well indeed be numerically the greatest number of the saved in the world, not this loophole of implicit desire for baptism, which brings us right back to the topic why there is no salvation outside the Catholic Church, and why we must make converts of all nations. As our Lord said at the end of St. Mark's Gospel, go into all the world and proclaim the Gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Please say, An Our Father for me, et benedictio de nepotentis, patri et spiritus santi super vos et mani et semper. Amen.